Hello and welcome to The Buzz, a bank automation news podcast. My name is Brian Stone and I'm the associate editor at Bank Automation News. Joining me today is AJ Mlani, Senior Vice President at iProof. AJ discusses the difficulties banks have with malicious synthetic users and separating them from real users, how generative AI has made identifying synthetic users a more challenging process, and the scale at which these fake identities are issues for financial institutions. I'm not sure if if actually people understand even what the definition of a synthetic identity is either. Um, I think what what people need to understand is actually synthetic identity is is, um, beyond what most people associate as identity theft, right? It, it is considered to be identity fraud, uh, which is a different category. It's a bigger category in general that that is encompassing a lot more. And what it is, is it, it basically allows um, you to be able to create a fictitious identity, um, you know, using PII kind of in the publicly available domain, but then um, be able to manufacture that over a, ser- over a series of activities to then build a reputation around that identity and then use that fictitious identity to be able to conduct illegal activities. And what what um, is important to realize here is that just because it's not you know, identity theft, um, you know, specifically taking one person's identity and then being able to um, steal it and receive the benefits or, or whatever value that has is tied to that individual, there it just because it's not identity theft doesn't mean it's not a victimless crime right and it's it's a crime that's committed um by fraudsters uh against financial institutions or other entities um that they're trying to derive value from that does have a price tag to itself um and it does end up costing you know average consumers more money at the end of the day because value is being taken from the banks that the consumers themselves actually work with or the entities that they bank with um, or have services from. And so it it leads to additional costs in the overall system and forces um, institutions to put in place additional hurdles and um, more challenging regimes uh, for consumers to be able to properly identify themselves as a real life human being. Um, so how, how big of an issue it is, it, it's it's massive. Um, it, it's currently accounting for, for a whopping 80 to 85% of identity fraud, according to a recent ID analytics study. Uh, and it, it is, um, you know, posing a significant threat and challenge because now these synthetic identities are really residing within, uh, you know, not just in, in the banks themselves or, or the institutions that the um, fraudsters are working with, but even they've, they've started to show up in, in back-end um, credit reporting databases. And that becomes a massive issue in terms of being able to carry that forward. Getting into specifics, would you be able to talk a little bit about the major challenges as far as banks face in trying to identify a person that doesn't really exist? What specifically makes it so difficult to to sort of separate them from real users yeah well it's interesting right because some banks actually do have synthetic identity individuals that are conducting legitimate transactions and they're paying their bills on time and they're um they're actually considered to be really good high value customers 
they just use fictitious information in the first place to be able to set up their account, right? Not dissimilar from like, let's call it if I'm enrolling in a loyalty card program at my local, local grocery store and I'm asked to fill out a form with all my information instead of putting in, you know, my name, AJ Amlani, and, and my actual real address, I'm putting in Mickey Mouse at 123 Disneyland Way. And instead of paying $5 for milk, I'm paying $4 for milk, right? Why do I want the, the retailer to actually have all my personal information so that they can mail me a ton of stuff so that they can sell my data going forward? So there's actually sort of like this segment of synthetic identity fraud or synthetic identities in general, which um, people have understood is actually somewhat acceptable. And it sounds weird, but it actually is somewhat acceptable because it does drive legitimate commerce in a lot of ways. Um, you know, it may not provide them with the value that they're trying to achieve. Like as a retailer, you'd want to understand who the shoppers are, where they shop, what are their options and what stores they want to shop at and, and be able to target them with relevant offers. It doesn't, it doesn't give them the insights and analytics, um, but it's not actually done necessarily by, by true fraudsters at the end of the day. But there's a significant amount now that's actually being done where they're recognizing that, you know what, I've invested in this fictitious identity. Um, and now all of a sudden, I can apply for a credit card at that retailer, right? And maybe I didn't use the name Mickey Mouse, or maybe I could change my name from Mickey Mouse to, you know, Jack Smith, but I already have a reputation with this retailer now, and they've seen good purchases. Now I can actually apply for a credit card. Now I can do other things like that um, to be able to uh, expand out my my ability to, to make purchases until I've overextended myself, right? Now all of a sudden, I can just bail on that identity. I don't have to actually pay it off because it's not even me. There's nothing tracking that identity back to me in the first place. So there's all kinds of different ways that this is actually carried out, but it started relatively small. And over time, it's really expanded into something that people spend an inordinate amount of time investing in um, to have multiple fictitious identities um, and synthetic identities and be able to manage that you know, across a plethora of different um, use cases and institutions. So Tim, from a technology perspective, has has the the prevalence of generative AI made it made the process of identifying fake individuals more difficult or is it still, you know, sort of removed from the synthetic identity process? Yeah, sure. Um, there's there are always kind of two sides to every coin, right? And I'd say with with the generative AI um, you know, new sort of revolution that's happening right now, I would say that it, it opens up opportunities to be able to analyze whether or not something is actually a fictitious identity or not. So it can be used to help defend against it um, with the information that you now have available and, and the um, analysis power that it does provide on its own, but it also allows for fraudsters to leverage the tool to create more identities at scale. So instead of only having three or four identities now, if I automate a lot of that work, maybe I can have 200 or 300 or even more. And if I find holes, if I find victims, if I find establishments that really don't have the right protections in place, I can leverage that at a scale now where I, I myself you know, can maybe do 10,000. And 
and I can share that amongst multiple people, right, with the communication tools that are available that I know that are that are also in that same area or as I, as I work as a group to try to exploit systems. Once I find that kind of exploitation, I can share that at a much broader scale. Um, you know, with regards to identity theft as opposed to synthetic identity, normally because there is an individual victim at the end of the day that's that's that has had some form of suffering, uh, whether it is a, a bill that showed up that showed that they owe a significant amount of money or their credit rating has been impacted. Um, typically, there's a phone call or, or a complaint of some sort that that comes into an entity where they can do the investigative analysis to find out that the that this that they have been hit by an attack of identity theft. In this case, uh, without that instigating call, you know, from a consumer, it becomes very hard for people to to detect that this fraud has actually even occurred, and um, and the damages could be much greater, as you can understand, because it's given that synthetic identity longer and longer time to be able to live and establish a reputation. So one thing that's become more prevalent, not, I mean, it could be factored into to synthetic identity, but just broader. I mean, you know, it felt like a couple of years ago when I guess deep fakes became, became a thing, being able to superimpose someone else's face on someone else's body. Um, and now one of the things that has come out with generative AI is the ability to voice mask. Like if you have enough of a sample of some an individual's voice, you can record an audio file and then just superimpose their voice over yours and make it mm -hmm. sound like they're saying things that they've never said. Do either of these things factor into to synthetic identity? You know, does is this something that banks should be concerned about moving forward? Yeah, um, you know, it was interesting. I just gave a, a speech yesterday um, where I was showing the audience all of the functionality that's built into just your standard Snapchat app for being able to look a completely different way. Um, and real time in front of the audience, I was speaking, um, you know, as as a woman, as a uh, as a different demographic, um, look, making myself look very realistic. I made myself look much better, to be honest with you, in quite a few of the ways, um, because uh, I was able to touch up some of my facial features um, to look very attractive. And and uh, I also gave a demo where I, I'm able to mimic, um, you know, different stars uh, on TV or other things. And so really understanding what's real and what's not is going to become an even bigger challenge in terms of generative AI, because generative AI can be used to, tr to fake um, images in terms of what you look like, even to the point where it would it would pass basic um, biometric recognition algorithms as well uh, at scale. And then in addition to that, obviously the mimicking of the voices, you heard um, something about a woman who thought that her daughter was, um, I think, kidnapped uh, because of a recording of a voice that was played. And um, it's just recently. And, and that was that was a massive issue. And then you look at all the data and signals that banks use and other financial services companies use on the back end. Um, generative AI can now mimic a lot of those signals that are received to verify, let's say, that that device that someone is holding is in fact their device. Um, you know, it does have all the characteristics of the location data, et cetera, of where that device is supposed to be from. And um, all of those signals, uh, as you start to understand the feeds of those signals, can actually now be 
um, artificially created at scale using generative AI. So, and, and these are off the shelf tools now, right? Like I can, I can create I about 10 apps right now today that I can actually download that I can use to merge my face with Leonardo DiCaprio's face so much so that I can actually now pass Leo's, you know, facial recognition algorithms. And so, um, you know, voice recognition systems now can be tricked without what's called liveness and biometric systems can be tricked without what's called liveness. But how do you actually now detect that it's a not just a, a real life human being on the other end, but it's the right human being and they're actually there at that point in time. Um, and that's now become a significant challenge in the industry. Um, what we do is we, we focus in on um, uh, on the biometric matching itself. We actually have and use the ambient lighting from the screen that you have in front of you, whether it's a desktop or a, or a cell phone, um, you know, to be able to reflect off of your face and back into the camera. So it, it, in an ambient fashion, it actually reflects off of your face and back into the camera in a way that only a, a real live 3D human being with pores on their skin that have oils and sweat um, and, and hair follicles can actually reflect light back into a camera. We have PhDs that have been studying this for the last 12 years that have really been able to come up with phenomenal algorithms to verify that it's a live human being in front of you at that time. So if you can imagine on a video call, even if you needed to be able to jump on a video call to verify someone's identity, they could be able to trick that as well real time, um, but not with our tool, right? With our tool, with the light reflection, it, it verifies and it makes sure that you actually have to have a real live 3D human being at that point in time on the other end. Could it be tricked? Everything, you know, at the end of the day with highly sophisticated fraudsters, you know, I would never believe someone if they told me that any tool can't be tricked. Um, but we we have a full operations center that's monitoring all the threats globally, real time, and we're constantly seeing people trying to attack our systems um, because of the high value use cases that we work on. You've been listening to The Buzz, a bank automation news podcast. Please follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. And as a reminder, you can rate this podcast on your platform of choice. Be sure to visit us at bankautomationnews.com.